you are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 24th of September. Why is Matt Harpering so excited about Bojan Bogdanovic? And is he right? We'll talk about that, plus more from Matt today. Talking about this year's Jazz, the locker room, Mike Conley's influence, Donovan Mitchell, and more. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice with Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it a lot better to be a Jazz fan each and every day of the offseason, which is almost over. I really got to dig in. I got to tell you, I begin to stress out a little bit uh, about getting getting all my work done and getting my prep done for the season. So you'll be hearing a, a bunch of stuff like that. Uh, by the way, uh, just so you are aware, Mac Weldon's Locked On deal still going on. It's better than whatever you're wearing right now. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com and enter the promo code Locked On. Bunch of things to talk about, um, and uh, lots of stuff for the Friday dump, but throughout the week we'll touch on the ESPN Top 100 list is out, uh, and yesterday, Matt Harpering was on the show, and if you didn't hear it, you can go back and listen to yesterday's episode, and talked about how he is most excited for the influence of Bojan Bogdanovic. Now, there's two reasons Matt did this. One is he's just naturally a contrarian, and so he had to take somebody other than Mike Conley. And the other one is because Bojan was ranked 48th. He's now just been ranked as the 48th hot best player in the NBA. So the Jazz have four. We'll have four players ranked in the top 50 of ESPN. Five players ranked in the top 62. It's pretty good stuff. And there are some, the more I go back and watch Indiana, uh, and I actually been using Indiana as kind of a practice ground to listen, watch old Indiana games and then work on various parts of my play-by-play by just watching Indiana to be able to see Bojan. And the thing that jumps out to me on, on Bogdanovich and why someone like Mattis is excited about him is pro, is twofold. Uh, well, maybe five, I mean, multiple-fold. Matt made a really interesting point in yesterday's show about Bojan Bogdanovich and how he's coming off screens, and he does. He comes off screens at like the rate of a Landry Shamit or a Kyle Korver or a Alan Crabb or not quite a Clay Thompson, but he's in that uh, in that group. So, I mean, that's a very active part of what he is. And the base numbers are amazing, right? He shot 42% last year. So there's a bunch of things about him that are great. One is he's scoring 18 points a game on 13 shots. He's not going to the free throw line a ton, a ton but he's, he's, he's big enough he'll go to the line. Having now met him and seen him in person and been around him, he's a big dude. Like, he's really upper body strong. He has power to be able to lay into you and get you, you know, and do and, and hit you and, and make some plays. The other thing that I think is so exciting about Bogdanovich is the versatility of his game. So he's getting 13 shots a game and scoring 18 points, which in an efficiency rate is just awesome. How's he doing it? So he got five layups a game, four catch and shoots, seven jumpers, and about a half a post up a game. Like the versatility to all of this is really high. The layups he gets a lot in transition, so we're going to have to run. Conley's going to have to look for him. He does get out. He leaks out. 
He also ball fakes and drives. Takes about half a floater game. It's not a good shot. He does it okay. Um, his catch and shoot is elite, which will be interesting to see if he does it more here in Utah than he did in Indiana with Oladipo out. He didn't have much chance, so he got four catch and shoot opportunities a game. His effective field goal percentage on catch and shoot last year was 66.6. 66.6? Are you crazy? It was 13 points better than the expected average shooter with the same shots. Jumpers, which can, you know, pull up jumper off the bounce, mid-range, pull up, all those kind of things. He's he shot actually 57%. So how does he do it? Well, this is what I think makes Bogdanovich so interesting. So first of all, the, the, ver- the versatility is wide-ranging. Certain players tilt the floor, right? So Bogdanovich takes 2.4 shots a night at the rim. 3.8 shots in the paint non-restricted area. A little high. Around the mid-range, he will take about two shots a game. And they're perfectly equally distributed in all five areas. And when I say five areas, mid-range baseline, mid-range angle, mid-range straightaway. I'll say that again. Mid-range baseline, mid-range angle, right angle, left, mid-range straightaway. They're all like .4, Same thing is true with this three-point shooting. Five spots, right? Corners, angles, top. 0.9 from the left corner, 0.7 shots from the right corner. 1.2 shots from the left wing, 0.9 from the right wing. One straight away. Like that, I don't study these a great deal, but I'm pretty certain you're going to have a hard time finding another player in the NBA who's got as equally distributed shot chart as that. His efficiency ranges a little bit, but he's not, and this is that, this has to do with small sample size. I think if we looked at a different year, it probably would be different, and we can do that. But his corner three shooting, he's an 81 effective field goal percentage. That means the same thing as shooting 81% from two people. You knew that, but I'm just saying it like people like, wow. And from the right side, it's 64, so both are elite. Angle left three is not as good at 51. Angle right three was 66% and 78% on catch and shoot, effective field goal percentage. That's a crazy number. Bojan Bogdanovic's catch and shoot angle right was 78%. Catch and shoot left corner, so his right hand, left corner, right hand. Right-handers like left corner better, 87%. Wow! Okay, so you have this... First thing we have is 13.1 shots a game and 18 points a game. Second thing we have is this amazing versatility across the floor of all being able to. Then we have equally effective in almost all spots on the floor. Then, how does he do it? So he does it on seven drives a game. Those are going to be going catches. Two isolations a game. One post up. Five times a game is a pick and roll ball handler. Two times coming off a screener, four times a game off a handoff, and 10 times a game in transition. Now, that's my only concern is whether we're going to give him enough opportunities to run. Because he clearly, he clearly likes to run and get out and take advantage of early offense, and we've got to find a way to make sure that we get him those. And I get, and if he's playing the four, we're going to ask him to rebound. He's going to lose those 10 opportunities. He gets a huge amount of stuff in transition. 
And if his efficiency is down, that will be why. He's not an elite passer. I mentioned that yesterday. Um, But think about that. Seven drives, pretty good at it. Two isolations, a post up, five times as the pick and roll ball handler, two times on a pick, off a pick as the screener, four times a game as handoffs, and ten times in transition. That versatility is outstanding. And that's, I think, when you when Matt talks about how excited he is about him, that's the reason. Because this guy's got a a way of making plays in different shapes and forms and realms than guys than most guys do. And that's what that's what I think has you has the Jazz most excited about him. So that's that's where I think this guy, uh, I, I understand, I think, you know, most excited, maybe Mike Conley, we just know exactly what he is. And I'll give Matt credit. I really think he had a pretty good idea of a knowing exactly who and what um, Bojan does. I thought he was as well prepared as anyone on, on what kind of player he is and what he brings to the game and how he plays. Uh, interesting conversation yesterday with Matt in that regard. So make sure you go grab it. We'll have more Matt Harpering. Upcoming in a second. Today's show brought to you in part by Murdoch Hyundai. Jason, the crew. Jason, who sold us our Hyundai Santa Fe. I, I Hopefully, you've seen the commercials for the great Palisade. The, Mur- the Hyundai's killing it out there. And the Palisade is the new eight-seater that is taking the car world by storm. Uh, Linden Store is one of the highest-selling Palisade dealers in the country. It starts at 31550 and has everything you can imagine. It's getting great ratings. Uh, seats 8. It's just a fabulous, fabulous car. So go check it out. Uh, I was actually looking at the Cars.com Hyundai Palisade review the other day, and the guy just loved it. Uh, so check it out. Also, the Santa Fe, which is what we're driving in the house. The, the Kona is the short, zippy, fun Uh SUV, and the, then there's also the Tucson. The signature of a Hyundai is how many things and the value you get for the car. So if you're looking for a car right now and you're out shopping and you don't have Hyundai on your list, at least take a moment and add a Hyundai to your shopping list and see what you can get for your dollar. You might decide, hey, you know what? That's not really what I'm looking for. That's cool. But it would be a shame if you didn't see what Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street and down in Linden right off the freeway could do for you. Also up in Logan as well. The Murdochs, 90 years in Utah. Hyundai giving you amazing value for your dollar. Check it out at Murdoch Hyundai. Matt Harpering returns for day two of the summer interview series. You mentioned it to wrap up the conversation yesterday about favors. This really, it, at least... There's, as, there, there's two aspects to whether the Jazz are going to be good enough defensively. One is how do they do against starting units, right? Because Favors and Gobert were always on the floor for the first six minutes and the last six minutes, or excuse me, the first six minutes of the first and third quarters against starting units. So how does Gobert with a smaller four do against starting units? And then the second question is how do they do in the 14 minutes a night Gobert's not on the floor? And that's when Derek Favors last year particularly was terrific. So let me address the first one. Do we know how good this team can be defensively just with Rudy Gobert in and smaller players around him because they have not played that against starters a great deal? Well, if you're asking me, that's going to be the question in preseason where I think a lot of eyes are going to be watching and see where this team is defensively. Um, You know, you, you got Conley 
a good defender, no question, but smaller, 6'1 in size, you know, about 175. So not a big body type of guy. Uh, Bogdanovich, I think he's, he, I, I love how he works on defense. He's a hard defender, just his work ethic. Is he a great defender? No. Um, I would put his, he's better offensively than defensively, but certainly he plays extremely hard defensively. He can be a guy that, uh, you know, gets under your skin. You know, Ingles is getting up in age. Is he, Joe does great with angles. Is he great in ISO situations, just one-on-one? No. Uh, and, and Donovan, who I think can be even better defensively this year, I think is a two-way player. Can he get better defensively? Yeah. So you got, let's just say those four are on the court, and then you got Gobert. Um, you know, there's a lot of switching, a lot of different spreading out of the court that's going to happen with, with Rudy. Uh, they're probably going to put Rudy in the pick and roll a lot. So what's going to happen when Rudy's got to go up and guard a, a stretch five and for the other guys to rotate or not rotate is going to be what I'm watching. And again, can they keep guys um, contested and, and can Rudy find a way to stay more in the paint? Cause we all know from last year and the years past that Rudy's dominant when he's, when he's around the rim, but when he gets out in the perimeter, that's when the jazz get exposed a little bit. So let's see what happens this year. Yeah, it's interesting. Marcus Gasol and Carl Anthony Towns are the two that cause him the most problems. Luckily one of them's on the other side of the, um, the other side of the spectrum now in the Eastern Conference with those big. Yeah, well, you got poor, yeah, you're going to have Porzingis now with the Mavs. I mean, you, you got a, quite a few stretch fives now. What do you do about the four position? It's such a weird, like Robert Covington is a power forward. So is Kristaps Porzingis. So is Anthony Davis. So is you know I, I don't even know Draymond Green. I guess. You know, it's such a different. If you're the Jazz and you're trying to figure out how you're playing that four position, what's your thought on the right way of going about that with the combination of whether it's Bojan, Joe Ingles, Jeff Green, um, Royce O'Neal? What's the right approach with that? Yeah, I, I think it's game by game. Uh, honestly, I think it's it's what the other team does. You know, a lot of teams you know play the traditional center and then throughout the game real quickly they go to a small lineup and they put their four to the five and then they go four small guys uh, with a big. Um, you know, I, I think when you play uh, in the, in the first few minutes of a game, you can get by with kind of whatever you need to do. As the game goes on, you know both teams got to match up in a way. So if they try to go big at the four with against the Jazz small, you know, on the other side of that, they have still have to guard too. So it becomes a matchup, just like the playoffs and just like a lot of elite games. The the game boils down to individual matchups at, at times. And so, you know, whether it's one position that might be an advantage over another, you know, can you? Can your team consume that together, or is it exposed? And I think when you when you look at the Jazz and, and how their depth, whether it's Jeff Green, who you mentioned, or or Davis, or you know Royce O'Neal, if they want to go real small and put even Ingles at the four, Bogdanovich at the four, um, I think they're adapt to to guard against any different kind of lineup. And I think the depth is good this year once again. You're playing the Lakers. They're gonna let's say they start Dwight or Javale McGee, and they have Anthony yeah. Davis at the four. Are you better off making Anthony Davis try to follow Bojan Bogdanovic all around the court on all those picks? Or are you better off trying to put Jeff Green on him so at least it's not seeming to be such a physical mismatch? Well, and what are they going to do on, on our end? You know, right. it's, it's, it goes both ways. So I think in that, you know, if, they're, if you're the Lakers, I don't know if you start that way against the Jazz. 
you know, I, I think they might not start that way. They might start Anthony Davis at the five and then go small. And then, you know, eventually you get LeBron, you know, playing all four positions on the perimeter, whether it's a four, three, two, or one. And then you have AD at the five. I, you know, I don't, I don't know because if they do start, let's just say, like you said, they start big at the four and five against the lake. Well, yeah, there, there's no way they can match up against the jazz. So what you're giving up on a two pointer on one end is you're giving up a probably a three or an easier layup or an easier shot for the jazz on the other. Cause those two bigs can't follow around. I mean, Anthony Davis can't follow Bogdanovich around the perimeter. They want to keep AD around the rim, you know? So it, it's going to be interesting matchup wise. Um, I don't know the answer to that is, is my, I guess the, the short answer is the long answer. It's pretty fascinating. Like, and, and the other one that's so fascinating. I, I, I just don't think teams are going to have a, a, the same starting lineup anymore. I think that's a thing of the past. I think it's going to be based on every game is going to be different. Right. And I think it's a chess match between the coaches, between the games, you might have, you know, starting lineups that started 15 games out of the year and another one that started 25 games and no one that started 15, you know, like I just think it's going to be mismatch basketball. It's a little bit of how Toronto and Nick nurse did things last year. Yeah. Like the traditional, uh, I'm going to start 82 games because I'm a center. Uh, you know, I think that's the thing of the past. Interesting. It, do you think there are, so do you think Conley in our case, do you think there's four guys that just are starters and then you're figuring out the fifth all the time? Uh, possibly. Yep. It, it depends. Yes, I do. I do. I think Gobert is obviously going to start at our five. You know, there's not a, he's not coming off the bench ever. Right. Mitchell's not coming off the bench. Conley's not coming off the bench. Um, and then whether they do with, you know, then you have Royce O'Neal, Ingles, Bogdanovich, you know, at Davis, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways you can go green. Um, but I think to me, if you are asking me what the starting five is going to be on day one, um, I think you got Mitchell, Gobert, Conley, uh, Bogdanovich, and uh, Ingles. How do you manage a 32-year-old Joe Ingles? We'll talk about that, and then Matt will educate me on Mike Conley versus Ricky Rubio and what the difference will be as we continue here on Locked on Jazz. The NFL season is underway, and if you don't have Sunday ticket, you're missing the action in Stealth Media has DirecTV's Sunday ticket for you for free. Stealth Media gives you DirecTV and AT&T together and will give you Sunday ticket for free for the year. So if you want to get involved, do that. Give Stealth Media a call, 385-399-4186. That's 385-399-4186. Eric and the crew over at Stealth Media, they got a great deal for you. So if you're looking to make the switch right now, you can go to DirecTV and AT&T together, and here's what you'll get for it. One is you take your DirecTV with you wherever you go and can view it on your AT&T phone without using your data. 72-hour rewind, you get the best quality HD in the network. By the way, I don't mean to slide over that 72-hour rewind. You forget to DVR something, it's the worst. And now they have the answer for you. You get the 72-hour rewind if you forgot to DVR something or if you DVR'd it wrong. You get the best coverage. You save money when you put AT&T DirecTV together, and you can take it on the go. That's all at Stealth Media, 385-399-4186. But there's more. Well, there's more because Eric's just a really good guy. Two things for you. One $100 gift card for you if you tell him you came from Locked on Jazz, 385-399-4186. And second, Stealth Media's done a cool deal. If you're getting all this DirecTV and this AT&T, you probably want the Man Cave big screen TV. So they have acquired a bunch of Man Cave TV, 60, 80-inch TVs for you for less than you then you can get them less from them than you can at Best Buy or anywhere else they promise. So great opportunity for you at Stealth Media. Call 
399-4186. Eric is still brokenhearted that Grayson Allen is on the Memphis Grizzlies, so you need to console him a little bit and help him out. Oh, he's so mad at me right now. He's just going to be so upset that I just did that. But it's funny. So just make sure you call and mention Grayson Allen. 385-399-4186. Our buddy Joe Ingles will turn 32 years old on October 2nd. How do you manage a 32-year-old Joe Ingles, or do you not have to worry about it? No, I think 32 um, in today's game is not as old as 32 once was. Um, you know, I, I think with Joe, he probably, what, he got around the 31 minutes last year. Will he get 31 minutes again? I don't think so. I, I think that might drop to the 20s. You might get 28. You know, I think that's very doable. I don't think Joe has to, unless there's an injury. Now, barring injury, you know, you, you got to have angles on the court at times. But, um, you know, I, I, I certainly – and again, I don't know anything, but I, I think he would start. And I think at times there, in some games, he'd play a lot more than in other games. And I think whether it's load management or whatever, Joe's not a guy that sits out. Uh, maybe he will this year, but he's never been a guy in the past that says, I'm going to rest this game. Um, so I, I think there could be a game where he might play 20 minutes or 25 minutes or, and then the next game he might play 35. So it might average out to, to the high twenties, but I don't, I don't think, He's going to play 31. I might be wrong, but I don't know if Joe needs to play 31 this year. I mean, he averaged 12 points last year. Um, I think he's a big part of the success. But, again, with Conley and his playmaking skills, I think you upgraded the point guard position and no disrespect to Rubio. Um, But that's going to help Ingles out, too. And same with Bogdanovich on the court. That helps Ingles out. Because Bogdanovich can play some three, too. I mean, Joe goes from basically being the second offensive option on this team, unless you count Rudy's role, right. to the fifth or the fourth, right. depending how you count Rudy's role. That, like, right. There, there were times last year where Ingles had to be on the court. He had to be. What does that do to his burden of, like, what's the difference? You've had that circumstance where you've been a, hey, I'm going to play off other people versus I have to create. What's the difference on the load in that regard? It's huge. And I think um, – you know, I think Joe had a taxing year last year. I think Donovan had a taxing year last year. And that's the goal, right, to bring these guys in that can take some of the burden off at plays. You know, Conley doesn't have to have the burden that he had all the time last year. Mitchell doesn't have to have the burden. Ingles, at times, doesn't have to have the burden. Bogdanovich had a burden last year when Oladipo went out. I mean, all these guys had to carry their team at one point last year, right? Now you're together, and they say, okay – you know, we can rely on each other, and that gives them rest. It gives them a chance to be more fresh on every possession. Uh, it certainly helps your game out uh, mentally as well. You just don't feel like the world's on your shoulders all the time. I hadn't thought about that. That every, I mean, I thought about it from Donovan and Joe's point of view and Rudy's point of view. I had not thought about it that the fact that all of these guys actually, the guys we all brought in have that feeling also. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And playoffs, I mean, outside of Conley and Bogdanovich, I mean, he, he played in a lot of high-level games last year, um, and he had to carry that team. It, it's a burden. All right, a lot of questions about the Emmanuel Moutier and the Dante Exum and a lot of concerns, and there's always, you know, when you're starting to be concerned about those guys, that's a sign you're really, really good. You know, the farther down your roster you have to go to. I always remember the old great Laker teams that'd be in L.A. in the 90s. I don't think Mark McNamara is good enough. And I'm like, okay, well, when you're worried about your 14th guy, you're pretty darn good. Um, so you're pretty good when you're starting to worry about your bench. But what is your thoughts on Moutier, Exum, and that whole group uh, and how it plays out? And then I will get into my – I need my education on Conley. So 
I guess start with Exum. I, that's that's kind of the buzz. You know what 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 Dante is going to bring to the table, and your guess and my guess is as good as anyone's this year, just because he's injury prone, and and we kind of know that when he's on the court, you love his defense, you love his length, you love his athletic ability. Um, can he be out there consistently? And I I, I just go back to the days that um, I played. You know, coaches and you know even your teammates they need that consistency because you need to know what you're going to get. Um, and that's how you game plan. That's kind of how you attack other teams. And with Dante, it's, it's kind of that you don't know what you're going to get yet. And I think that's, that's hard. It's hard to know, uh, gee, is, Don, is Dante going to play 15 minutes? Is he going to play five? Is he going to be, you know, a shooter? Is he going to be a spot-up guy? You know, is he going to pick and roll guy? Is he going to play the point? Is he going to play the three? There's just so many questions out there that we can all speculate. Um, but in the end, I look at, you know, what, what, what skills does he bring and can it help the team? And there's no question. If you just look at the skills, you look at the length and what he can do defensively an individual defender. Um, he helps the team. Moutier, you know, I, I don't know. There's a lot of questions there too, right? I mean, these, he's in a prove it year, which is always, um, it's going to be good for him because he's going to be motivated to prove to the NBA that he can play. And I know he's been a starter most of his career. He's going to have to learn to come off the bench. That could help him. You know, he might be a guy that does well um, in, in limited minutes and, and where you know, all of a sudden you give him 30-plus minutes, you know, the efficiency goes down for him. We don't know. It's a question that needs to be addressed and it will be addressed in the preseason. All right. Let's go back to Rubio. We, I don't mean this – you kind of said earlier, no disrespect. Ricky does a lot of great things. A lot of them are subtle. The obvious ones are he misses shots. Um, and so that frustrates everyone. He's always been this kind of uh, polarizing player. Conley, what are the areas where Mike Conley, a fan will watch Mike Conley and see the most noticeable differences? Well, for one, Rubio did a lot of great things for the Jazz last year. I, I think he, he bailed the Jazz, Jazz out in, in quite a few games. Um, but what I noticed from watching – is there was a lot of games where they just weren't guarding him. And so it, it doesn't, that doesn't even show up on missed shots. But what happens when all of a sudden he's left alone in, in his defender standing on the nail um, and Donovan's coming down the court and you're seeing a, another defender kind of in the middle of the court because they're not giving the respect to Rubio on the shot. That's going to change this year, kind of what we said earlier, where the the, the, the floor, the defense is going to have to be more spread out because you can't do that against a Conley. You can't bring his man in and just kind of not respect his shooting and then kind of drift out there slowly. So I think that's going to be the one thing I think that's going to be beneficial is you're not going to have that. And I saw that a lot, especially in the playoffs. They just simply weren't guarding him. And then when he got the ball, they might kind of go and contest him late, but they weren't really actively guarding him. Um, I think you're going to see – just, I think leadership, I'm expecting Conley um, and not like Rubio was not a good leader because he's, he has, he, he did very well in the locker room. He was very well liked, but I think Conley has been in some positions now where he can take this team to the next level. And I think it's important to have a point guard. That's the main position on the court to have a guy like that. And I think the jazz now have that veteran guy that's been through the wars that can either calm a team down when it needs to be calmed down, or they can put it, you know, Conley can put the team on his, on their back, on his back at times. And I think even in the fourth quarter, maybe in crunch time, you're going to see that sometimes. I think it's not always going to be Donovan. I think sometimes you're going to see Conley and then Donovan. And um, so I think that's going to be a big difference. 
make uh, Matt Harpering obviously with us here for uh, Jazz TV. I, I think people know that because I it's a podcast. I don't have to do the old radio thing. Sorry. Um, when you when you look at Conley and Donovan, how, how who runs like? I don't know how I'm asking this question because I don't want to make it sound like it has to be definitive. But, like, who leads this locker room? The easy answer question is, like, whose locker room is it? Or maybe what I'm really asking you, Matt, is how does someone like Donovan or Rudy have it be their locker room and still have Mike Conley there to do exactly what you just said? I I don't know if there needs to be one guy's locker room. I, I think there's mutual respect amongst teammates, right? And I think Donovan respects the fact that Conley's in his 13th year. And he's been through a lot of the wars. So there's things that Donovan going into his third year just hasn't had experience with. And I think what we know about Donovan is he's like a sponge. He's always willing to learn and, and take in uh, feedback. I think Rudy has some very insightful things to say. And there's times where he speaks up. Um, it's not frequently, but there's times when he does speak up and people listen. I think there's roles for all like that. And I think when you have a locker room, which is good guys and people that want to win and compete, you know, that kind of takes care of itself because the ultimate leader is the guy on the sideline, Mr. Quinn Snyder. And, you know, that kind of leads from, from him. Um, I, I think the team, everyone knows the best player on the team as far as offensively is Donovan Mitchell. I mean, coming down the fourth quarter, if you had to say who's going to have the ball in his hands, I think most people would say, well, Mitchell's probably going to have the ball. And he said, will he take the last shot? Who knows? But I think he'll have the ball in his hands. Defensively, obviously, our main guy is Rudy. So you have two guys that do different things. I think it's, it's interesting. Great breakdown of the Utah Jazz over the last two days with Matt Harpering. In our next segment with Matt, for tomorrow's show, we'll look quickly at the rest of the NBA. He's Matt Harpering. You'll catch him all year on – I don't even know who owns the broadcast rights. It was AT&T Sportsnet. I think it still is. But with all the changing in Spectre and Sinclair and who knows anymore. But it will be still Matt Harpering. It still will be Craig Bolajak. Thurl will do some games. Still going to be the guys you know and love on the TV broadcast throughout the year. Uh, we'll talk NBA on tomorrow's edition of the Summer Interview Series with Matt.